You're listening to The Big Show with Patrick Dumas on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome back to The Big Show. Live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, wet basement. We have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They're all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Calgary Flames off today. They're back at it tomorrow night. Five o'clock start right here on Sports at 960 The Fan as they continue this Eastern road trip into below, taking on the Buffalo Sabres. And we're joined by uh, Matthew Fairburn of uh, The Athletic, covering all things Buffalo Sabres. Matthew, thank you mu- so much for joining me on this Wednesday morning. How are we doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Sabres, uh, tough start to the year, 0-2, but last night bounced back with a nice 3-2 win against the Tampa Bay Lightning in overtime. Uh, what are your takeaways from uh, from that game? Yeah, it was much needed for the Sabres. Yeah. You know, I, I think starting 0-2 after they came into the season with so much hype and, mm-hmm. and high expectations that they didn't run away from. You know, everybody in training camp was talking about the playoffs and that being the standard and the expectation being that they would, you know, be able to end this playoff drought. So to start 0-2, you know, it's not a panic moment, but it's mm-hmm. a little bit of a letdown. And, and I'm kind of impressed by how even keel the Sabres were throughout. I know it's only two games, and for other more experienced teams, that's old hat to you know maybe go 0-2 and write the, the course quickly. But for a young Sabres team mm-hmm. that's dealing with a lot of pressure right out of the gate, they were extremely confident coming into the week, had a good practice on Monday, and going up against a, a Tampa Bay Lightning team that you know in the past obviously has been a huge handful. They didn't have Steven Stamkos. They, they don't have, you know, their starting goaltender mm-hmm. uh, either, but still a talented team. And you saw what the Sabres could do when they get into a little bit of an offensive rhythm and start creating some chances and play with a lead, which they did for the first time all season. So uh, really up and down the lineup, there was a lot of improvement for the Sabres. And it was, it was one they needed to, to get in the win column, I think. And, you know, an impressive way to do it against a division opponent. Uh, so a lot of good things to take away from that one. And they were, the first two games they played this season were against teams that like to trap, like mm-hmm. to play a little 1-3-1 one, one and clog the neutral zone. And that gave the Sabres a lot of trouble. So they still need to figure out how to combat teams that want to play that style. But if a team wants to trade chances the way the Lightning did last night, the Sabres are going to be able to, to win a lot of games. No, I think, like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Sabres, uh, they've been a better starting team over the last few seasons like they've got out of the gate pretty good and then kind of faded down the stretch like as you got more to the holiday season and and that's probably just you know they're they're a young team they're still learning like what is the the difference for this team this year is it just like it's the years of of that happening and then they're building it up they've got the right set of players now that that if they can get off to a good start let's say like 14 you know 14 8 and 2 something like that out of the start and they that they can sustain that is this the right group that can do that I think that's the big question because, you know, I think what they hope the difference is, is the experience. They're still the youngest team in the NHL mm-hmm. by average age, but all those young players now have so much more experience. They do have an 18-year-old Zach Benson in the lineup. They have a rookie goaltender who now has 10 games uh, of NHL experience. So they're still young in some spots, but a big chunk of this lineup has played a lot of games and went through 
last season when, like you said, they got off to a pretty good start. They hit an eight-game losing streak in November, mm-hmm. hit another really good stretch where they were able to climb back into playoff position by January or so, and then we're fighting for the wild card from there on out. Yep. They miss out by a point, but that, I think the experience of playing in those high-pressure games down the stretch was really important for this team. Will it translate, I think, is the big question, right? Like, will you take that experience, and will you be able to internalize it to the point where the pressure doesn't get to you throughout the course of a whole season when the playoffs are the bar? They did add Connor Clifton and Eric Johnson, which I think was important Two guys not only make them better defensively, which was their biggest problem last year, but two guys who have been around winning teams. Eric Johnson was with the Avalanche from the bottom, right, when they were you know, at the bottom of the standings and climbed all the way to the top of the mm-hmm, league. Mm-hmm. And Connor Clifton being in Boston, being in a winning locker room, knowing what it looks like, I think helps in those probably in those moments like this weekend, right, when you fall to 0-2 mm-hmm. and there's no panic and there's a confidence in the locker room. They have a real lack of playoff experience in that locker room. So having Clifton and Johnson, I feel like is, is a pretty big deal for them, you know, doing exactly what you say and kind of being able to sustain whatever success they can generate here early in the year. With, uh, with Clifton and Johnson in the fold, you, you mentioned that that's the experience. That's the veteran leadership that they have on that blue line, but it is, it's led by two young horses that are ready to go here. Rasmus Dahlin, if he's not already knocking on the Norris Trophy conversation, he's there right now. And then Owen Power, who uh, who had a great rookie season, he just feels like he, he's been in the league for 10 years at some points uh, watching him last year. And then you both, you know, both are signed long-term deals. Uh, Kevin Adams, knowing that cap's going to be going up, and like obviously getting Rasmus Dahlin signed on a long-term deal. And then that Owen Power deal, like, that's going to look like a damn steal here in a few years. I know it's going to look like a steal. Yeah, I think that's their hope, right? I mean, to get him for seven years after this one yeah. at $8.3 million, $8.35 million, just a hair over what Jake Sanderson signed for. And, you know, the Darlene money is $11 million a year. That's, uh, I wouldn't say, a, a discount no. for the team. But like you said, if, if he becomes that Norris caliber defenseman and the cap goes up, I think 11 million will be pretty pretty easy to deal with and especially when you get Owen Power at 8.35 I think all along all summer I kind of looked at it as you know getting those two guys at under 20 combined whatever combination yeah. that was if you get a slight discount on Darlene and have to pay a little more for Power the hope is Power continues on his trajectory it's uh, the nature of the NHL where he gets one season in and he gets this huge deal right they mm-hmm. signed Matthias Samuelson last year to a seven-year contract uh, extension and and he was you know 54 games into his NHL career or something hadn't scored a goal and it's what you have to do as a general manager managing the salary cap in today's NHL and I think Kevin Adams has taken some good risks he identified his core and worked aggressively to get those guys locked up so it's Paige Thompson Dylan Cousins Matias Samuelson Rasmus Dahlin and now Owen Power all locked up locked up long term those are your boulders. You fill in yep. the rest around that and, and kind of, they still have flexibility too. Tons of cap. They have, you know, 8 million or so in cap room this year. And then that jumps up next year with a lot of open mm-hmm. roster spots. So still plenty of flexibility to build around those guys. And I, I think, I think you're right. I think that Owen power number is going to look pretty good here in a couple of years. Now, Zach Benson, you, you mentioned him there. He made the team out of camp. I, I, a lot of people around the draft, uh, you know, this is a steal getting him, uh, I believe, 12th overall it was. 
Uh, he had a really good time there with the Winnipeg Ice, and now he's he's fitting in with the he's playing on the right side of uh, Casey Middlestad and, and Jordan Greenway. Uh, what are the early returns on, on Zach Benson? I know he's, he hasn't scored yet, but uh, just what is he brought to this fold that that a young eighteen year old can make this team and and be a contributor? Yeah, he's been outstanding. Honestly, it, it's been one of the the biggest stories uh, for Buffalo here over the last month or so. It's funny because he got got to rookie camp, and his junior teammate Matt Savoy, mm-hmm. I thought, was the best player on the ice for the Sabers <laughs> during that rookie tournament. And uh, you know, at that point, I wouldn't have expected Zach Benson to necessarily elevate and make the team. Eighteen years old, not a lot of guys make that jump, especially when you're picked, you know, outside the top ten. Yeah. But Matt Savoy got injured, and that opened up. You know, he wasn't able, you know, to play in any preseason games. He just got back on the ice practicing, you know, a little over a week ago. So that opened up opportunity. And Benson was skating with Tage Thompson and Jeff Skinner in the preseason. That went really well. But then they moved him up and down the lineup. And this is a kid that, as good as he is with the puck, obviously he was a phenomenal scorer in the Western League last year. But He's so good away from the puck. He's mm-hmm. such a good forechecker. He knows where to be. He thinks the game at such a high level, and that's why they're keeping him around. You know, he makes plays all over the ice, all three zones. He's so strong on his stick. I, I think probably one of the biggest concerns you think about with an 18-year-old, the two big ones are can he hold up strength-wise and can he be responsible enough away from the puck? Well, Zach Benson's winning puck battles against guys that are 30 or 40 pounds heavier than him. And he's str- you know, strong on the hockey rink uh, is not always the same as strong in the weight room, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's really strong on his stick. He knows where to be. He knows how to, you know, get body positioning and win leverage. And, you know, away from the puck, he's, he's terrific. And that line has actually been their best line. The Jordan Greenway, Casey Middlestat, Zach Benson line. He had two assists. Uh, against the Islanders on Saturday, made a couple of really good plays to get those assists too. And I would envision this guy sticking around. Obviously you don't know, like, how's he going to hold up beyond, you know, a nine game sample or, you know, how's he going to hold up over the long grind of an NHL season. But I think the early return is that he can handle it. And, you know, if they maybe give him a breather once in a while and let him watch from up top and, and try to manage his workload a little bit, just so it's not too much too soon. But at each step, it's almost like, okay, well, let's see how he does in a preseason game. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see how he does when the competition goes up in the preseason and there's more NHLers out there. Well, let's see how he does in the regular season. He's passing every test with flying colors. So um, I'm not going to sell him short. I think he can stick around the whole year. Okay, so I was, I was going to be saying, like, is he going to get the nine games or are they going to send him back down to, to Wenatchee, I guess? So you're, you're thinking he's going to get the whole run here. You know, it's interesting because they have some roster situations that they need to navigate here. I mentioned Matt Savoy, and mm-hmm. he's still here on injured reserve. You know, obviously a year older than Benson, but, mm-hmm. you know, them being CHL players, they have, you know, it's either juniors or the AHL for both of them. Yeah. And so you might see them drag this decision out on both of these guys. They could drag out the nine games. Uh, with Benson, and they don't have to be nine consecutive. You know, they could kind of spread them out, and maybe when Savoy's ready, he gets some games. They're also carrying three goalies on the roster right now. So that opens up some room to maybe get Savoy onto the active roster. 
to me, it's the way Benson has played makes me intrigued to see Savoy in the lineup, too. I yeah, mean, we see young well. players make this jump, and we see teams with young rosters have success o- over the long haul of the season. Just look at New Jersey. So uh, I don't think they should be afraid to put Savoy in the lineup. But, yeah, I do think the way Zach Benson is playing right now, it's really, really difficult to send him back to junior because, uh, you know, I think the main thing they were thinking about when they kept him on the team was this guy is going to help them win hockey games. And as long as that remains true, I don't think you want to send him back. I mean, I I said before the season, I think there's a chance he gets Calder votes. And Mm -hmm. I think there might be a better chance of that than him going back to junior, frankly. And so I think the way he's playing and it's hard to predict in a couple of weeks, maybe the adrenaline wears off and he hits a wall, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't seem like he's that type of kid or that type of player. He has a ton of confidence. And another thing Don Granado pointed out, playing him with guys like Skinner and Thompson in the preseason, what really stood out was that, you know, you might put an 18 year old in that spot and see them thinking, I got to get the puck to Tage Thompson, no matter what, I got to get it to Jeff Skinner. I got to get it to Tage Thompson. Jack Benson was just making the right play. He has that confidence. He knows what he's supposed to be doing so that when he has the puck on his stick, if the right play isn't to get it to Tage Thompson, he's not <laughs> going to force it. He's not going to panic. Where other people feel pressure, he doesn't really, you know, he, it doesn't show up for him in the same way that it would a lot of other 18-year-olds. So I, I just have a lot of confidence that, that he can handle this and that, more importantly, he can help them win. He makes their lineup better. So. Yeah. Jack Quinn eventually will return from injury. Mm-hmm. So they have, they have some, some roster juggling to do over the next couple of months between the three goalies, Savoy, Jack Quinn at some point returning from injury. They've got Victor Olsen as a healthy scratch yeah. right now and, <laughs> and potentially need to figure out what to do with that. So, you know, a lot of things to figure out. And I think, you know, Zach Benson has both made things difficult in that regard, but also, you know, he's made the decisions easy at every step of the way because of the way that he's played. Yeah, like it's, it's 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 easy decisions. It's like fun, easy decisions that Dan Granato has to make or Don Granato has to make here because it's just so much young talent here in, in this Buffalo organization. Uh, you mentioned the goaltending. They're still carrying the the three guys. Uh, Devin Levi's been uh, getting the, the line share here. He's uh, made the first three starts. He's the rookie. Uh, they also have Eric Comrie. Uh, who's uh, who's been uh, a backup throughout the league? Who's who's wanted to get a more of a shake uh, as a starter, and then they also carry uh, Uka Pekalukan in as well, who uh, showed some uh, some really good play last year. What's the what's the the overall goal here with these three goalies? Is it it's it Levi's crease until until further notice, or is is Granado going to try work all three in at some point? It very much feels like it's Devin Levi's net yeah. um, going forward, and. I think the main priority for them right now is to get Devin Levi into a rhythm. That's what Don mm-hmm. Granado mentioned yesterday is that they're not going to force another goalie into the net just for the sake of it, just for, you know, mixing things up or getting a guy a game. They want Devin Levi to get comfortable and get in a rhythm. And I think he looked his best last night against the lightning, yeah, you know, good. after, you know, getting a few games under his belt and they were playing with a lead. And, and I think he just felt, quite a bit more comfortable. So eventually, of course, they have they have their first back-to-back next week. It's a Monday, Tuesday against the Canadians and the Senators. I would expect, you know, one of those games will go to uh, one of the other goalies, but it feels like it's Devin Levi's net. They have put a tremendous amount of faith in him. They didn't go out and add a goalie in the offseason. Mm-hmm. They felt like this kid could come in and start, make the jump from 
college hockey to the NHL without any time in the minor league. And right now, you know, he looks like their best option. I mean, down the stretch last season, he played seven games in very important games where they needed to, to win just about every game to get into the playoffs. And he was the guy that they wanted in there to do it, even though he had just jumped on the roster in, in March. So uh, I think they signaled how they felt about him then. He handled that situation really well. Mm-hmm. And so they were pretty much ready to turn the reins over to him this year. And I think he's done you know pretty well in the first few games. But the question, kind of like with Benson, is how does he navigate the first full NHL season, right? Like how many games do you give him? And it's going to be the most of his career exactly. at any level. And he's going to be playing every other night. He's going to be, you know, dealing with travel. And, you know, goalie is as challenging a position mentally as as any in the sport. And so they think he's, you know, capable of handling it. That's actually what gives them the confidence is that, you know, what he has between the years, the way he prepares and the way he thinks about the position. So I'm fascinated to see it unfold because, you know, we started off talking about all these expectations and the pressure they have. And they're putting all that on a rookie goalie mm-hmm. doing something that we don't see goalies do a lot, jump, making that jump without the minors. So um, pretty fascinating to watch. Yeah, it, it certainly is. A few more here with uh, Matthew Fairburn, uh, Buffalo Sabres reporter for The Athletic. Uh, Jeff Skinner, uh, he signed the big extension in 2019 after his first 40-goal year. Obviously he had some injuries he ran into. He also struggled with Ralph Kruger. Uh, you know, enter Don Granado. He's out there being a, a point-per-game guy. What What flipped with Skinner to maybe get back to a point where he maybe is that Carolina player, but even could be even better than he, where he was in Carolina can get back to that first year uh, where he was with Buffalo and coming off an absolute career year last year. uh, It was something flipped here with Jeff Skinner. It feels like. Yeah. The the switch from Don Granado, you know, from Ralph Kruger is really uh, the simplest way to explain it. Like there was something amiss with Ralph Kruger in Mm -hmm. terms of, you know, uh, I wasn't covering the team at that time, but but watching it, you know, from from in town and and seeing the way that Ralph Kruger talked about him and the way he would, you know, push him down the lineup, talking about a nine million dollar a year sense. player playing, you know, like fourth line minutes, just because look, he's not everybody's cup of tea. I think even to this day, you know, Rod Brendamore will will you know tell you that there was areas of the ice that Jeff Skinner doesn't love going to, and, yeah. and certain coaches are going to want more out of guys in that regard. But Don Granado was more so interested in what can this guy do for us? How can we bring out the best in this guy? Cause he's obviously ultra talented and has so much skill in the offensive zone. Now you pair him with Tage Thompson and Alex Tuck. And that's a really dangerous line when they're going. So not only that, I, I think, look, you needed to get, you know, when we talk about managing the salary cap, if you've got a $9 million cap hit, you need to find a way to get the most out of that guy. Right, you need to figure yeah. out what can this guy do for us, not what is he not doing, or or how can I push him down the lineup. And so, getting the most out of that nine million dollars is a big deal for how they manage things going forward. But also, an underrated part of Jeff Skinner is the guy is fantastic in the locker room, and he has been in the league a long time since he was eighteen years yeah, old. Is. And you know, he has never played in the playoffs, so he doesn't have the playoff experience. But he really is. You know, one of the guys, you know, he doesn't wear a letter, but he, he's, you know, one of those guys that's a glue guy in the locker room. Players really like him and, and lean on his experience. So it is it is wild to think about the turnaround. And, and there's a lot of fans that will use that as one of many examples of how Ralph Kruger kind of doomed this franchise for a little bit. But 
Um, it's a, definitely one of the great, great success stories of Don Granado is turning him around. One of many players that he's, you know, found yeah. a way to get the most out of, including Rasmus Dahlin and Tage Thompson, who were, were kind of down and out under Kruger as well. So it's a, it's been a, a welcome change. And, you know, Jeff Skinner has become uh, an absolute fan favorite for sure. Like we, we talk about this roster, we talk about, uh, you know, what's coming up. Uh, we, we talked about how the Sabres are, are planning to approach this year. Yet there's still the rumors that, you know, the hometown kid, Patrick Kane, might uh, be a possible option for the Buffalo Sabres once he's he's getting closer and closer after he's healing from his uh, hip resurfacing surgery. Is it realistic that Kane would sign in Buffalo, or is it just like he needs to see more from the Sabres, like, hey, I'm in it for a cup, I'm in it for a deep playoff run before jumping to Buffalo? Because I know there's options. There's the Rangers, the Avalanche. I know the Red Wings were also an option as well. But is the Patrick Kane to the Sabres a realistic option this year? I think it's as realistic as it's ever been, Yeah, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons. You know, he, you know, there was, he had some incidents off the ice yep. that happened here, yep. which I think early in his career, I mean, first of all, the Blackhawks were never going to, you know, part with the guy, right? So no. it was nothing more than a pipe dream for Sabres fans. But I think there was, you know, some distancing himself from Buffalo after running into some trouble. That's, you know, pretty far in the past at this point. He's a different person now than he was. 10 years ago, he's cheaper now than he's ever been, right? Like because of his age, because of, uh, you know, there's no cost to acquire. You don't have to trade for him. It's it's just the cap space and the Sabres have that, you know, Pierre Lebrun has reported that, like you mentioned, Patrick Kane's going to kind of wait things out a little bit and see in a month or so who is competitive enough, right? Like who looks like a team that could compete because, He's only got so many years left, and I'm sure he's interested in in winning another cup. Mm-hmm. So that'll be part of it. And also, you know, roster-wise, who needs him? Yep. Where can he fit? And who can afford him? All these things are, are going to play a role. I think that's why you see the Sabres come up. They have cap space. Jack Quinn is out with an injury. So, you know, maybe in a month, Zach Benson has tailed off and needs to go back to junior, uh, which is a you know perfectly natural thing to happen yep. for an 18-year-old. And all of a sudden, there's an opening. Uh, at right wing, you know, and I think it would make sense on the ice um, depending on what he has left, right? You know, that's mm-hmm. a not an insignificant surgery that, that he's dealing with and, and a recovery that he needs to do. So there's that aspect of it as well, but there are connections here. There is, you know, Kevin Adams was his roommate uh, his first year in Chicago, yeah. uh, the Sabres general manager. Don Granado was an assistant in Chicago for a time while Patrick Kane was there. Tim Kennedy, who's a player development coach here, grew up with Patrick Kane uh, in South Buffalo. So there are connections to the point where from the off ice and from the locker room fit perspective, they would have as much information as anybody to make a decision on that and feel comfortable because they've been careful about building the right culture in their locker room and, and all that. So I think, man, like we talked about with Eric Johnson and Connor Clifton, like adding a winner, adding yeah. somebody who's been through it and, and won cups, uh, how could that not help a team like this? But there are still a lot of variables. I, I would say Buffalo is a, a realistic option, but there's going to be a lot of teams making a push. Pierre Lebrun has mentioned Florida as a team he thinks yep. will get it to the finish line. And, you know, I think right now it's still a little bit of guesswork because I think Patrick Kane hasn't quite sat down yet and said, okay, here are the teams that, that actually make sense now a month into the season. So, 
in a way, it's like the Sabers need to keep themselves competitive enough if they want to if they want to stay in that exactly. race, right? So it'll be interesting to see where this Buffalo team is when Patrick Kane is making his decision. Like, where are they in the standing? And what do some of these roster questions that we've talked about look like at that point? Because maybe they, they could use a player like that, or maybe they feel like uh, their forward group is, is a little more set than they expect. So uh, I'm really interested. It's uh, People have clamored for it for a long time, to, you know, even when he was available for trade. And it just makes more sense now than ever because you don't have to trade. And you can sign him to a short-term deal. And, you know, he can probably help, you know, a team that's actually competitive for the first time in a long time. So that's going to be the, the story to watch, I think, around here and, and around the league, uh, you know, as he gets closer to, to being 100%. Yeah, I should know something uh, around November. That's the four to six months. That's how long it was going to take. Matthew, all the best this year. I know we're. Uh, I'm personally rooting for the Sabers from afar. I want to see this team do a lot of good things uh, here in the future. So all the best this year, and we'll be watching tomorrow night. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Have a good one.